John chapter 4, verse number 18. And if you keep your Bible open there, I'm going to ask you to turn to a couple of verses in a few minutes. We'll pray, and then we'll jump into the message this morning. Father, please, I pray, speak to our hearts. Help us, I pray, for just a few minutes to be silent before you. Seek your face. Listen, not just with our ears. I thank you that we can hear the word of God with our ears, but we hear the voice of God with our hearts. And so I pray that we would listen with our hearts today and that your spirit would have the liberty to speak. Lord, I pray that you'd fill me with your Holy Ghost this morning. I pray that you'd speak to us, please. Strengthen us. Build us. In Christ's name, amen. I want you to read 1 John 4, 18 with me out loud. Ready? There is no fear in love. But perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. Now just to make sure we've got it, let's read that one more time. Pay attention to what you're reading. Ready? There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. Now, 1 John chapter 4 is a chapter that is primarily talking about God's love for us. But you can't escape the fact that it's also talking about our love for God and our love for others, or really God's love for others through us. God's love has three directions. Anytime you read about the love of God in the Bible, understand that what they, we call agape love, because that is the Greek word translated love, but we're talking about God's love in the New Testament, and so we have come to call it agape love. Agape love has three directions in this order. First direction, God loves us. That's always the first direction because God's the source of love. The love that we love with comes from God, so he has to love us first. So the first direction of God's love is God loves me. The second direction of God's love is my response, which is I love God. And the third direction of God's love is God loves others through me. That's why we sing the song, 1 John 3, 1. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called his sons. The second direction of God's love, 1 John four nineteen, it, that because he first loved us, we love God. And then the third direction of God's love, 1 John four eleven. if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. Three directions, God loves me, I love him, he loves others through me. So with that in mind, I see two great applications in this verse that we just read. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear. Because fear has torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. Here's the first great application. God loves us with perfect love. Which means that God does not want us to live in fear. There's no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear. God does not want you to live in fear. Say, fear of what? Fear of anything. Turn over, you would please, to 2 Timothy chapter number 1. We're going to look at a verse there in just a moment. 2 Timothy chapter 1. 
God does not want you to live in fear. Life is full of difficulties. Life is full of challenges. Life is full of things that scare us. But God wants us to learn not to live in fear. I did not have to have my uh, furnace turned on until just this last week because uh, we use uh, we have a, a an electric hot water heater so we don't use the heat all summer so we shut it off sometime in April usually and turn it back on sometime in October. So I called the furnace man and he came out on Monday and got her ready to go and so I think it was Thursday night so we'd been we'd been heating the house two two days maybe three and uh, Thursday night, Thursday night, it's twelve thirty in the morning. So technically, it's Friday morning. And uh, all of a sudden, I'm awakened, and our bedroom is right above the furnace. And man, you know how you are—you're hypersensitive to noises in your house. And so, uh, I'm I'm just suddenly awakened at twelve thirty with this. Uh, this pounding noise, sort of like, you know how when you put sneakers in the washing machine and it gets lopsided and it, and it goes from to and uh, that's what the furnace was doing. And then so I got up and, and I'm sitting there a minute trying to figure out where's this coming from and all of a sudden I, I'm smelling this smell. And so I rushed downstairs and the uh, the basement or the garage which is the same thing in our house is is full of smoke so I hit the emergency switch and it's off and I go back upstairs and we don't have a real big house but the whole house is filled with this smell and so I wake everybody up and say hey we got to stay conscious for a little bit here because I don't know if that's what I don't know if that's carbon monoxide or what it is and just make sure we're all you know and, and it turned out it, it was fine but we had to keep the furnace off well I'm thinking my first thought was, uh, thank God I woke up. Who knows, you know, what, what would have happened to the house. So then I couldn't go to sleep because I'm worried about carbon monoxide. And, and uh, then once I finally, once the air was clear and I felt, yeah, we got the alarm and everything. And the battery's good and the light's flashing. But still, you know, I'm not going to put my whole life in the hands of an alarm. And uh, so when I finally was contended that that's not the risk, then I'm half awake the rest of the night going, we need a new furnace? <laughs> how, how are we going to pay for a new furnace? How's this going to go? I, uh, and uh, th- during the night, God just gave me the peace that, hey, whatever it is, I got you. And that's the peace. That's the fear that God wants to take out of your life. I'll tell you, the greatest peace I've ever experienced in my life was coming out of surgery six years ago last month. And I went into surgery. The last thing the doctor said or the last thing I remember him saying is, when you wake up, I don't know what you're going to have on your left leg. He said, you might have everything that you went to sleep with. He said, you might be missing one toe. You might be missing all your toes. You might be missing your foot. You might be missing your, your leg all the way up to your knee. I don't know. That's what he told me. What I didn't know he was telling my wife was, if we don't get to him in the next 90 minutes, we won't be able to save his life. He didn't tell me that part. I went to sleep, and and I'll never forget the fear that I was feeling as they wheeled me down the hallway. I'm thinking, this is crazy. I didn't ask for this. I wasn't expecting this. And next thing I know, they're putting the mask over, or maybe, I don't remember if mask or shots or what it was, but uh, I just remember 
suddenly not remembering anything. You know, you know all of a sudden, you doctors, it's, you know, like that. And um, next thing I know, I'm in the recovery room, and my eyes weren't open yet, but I was aware that I was still alive. And here's the greatest peace I've ever experienced in my life. The presence of God was right there just saying, hey, whatever's down there, and I didn't know yet. I hadn't opened my eyes yet. I really couldn't feel anything. Whatever's down there, it's going to be okay. If you have no leg left, it's going to be okay. Whatever it is, I'm going to, I'm going to walk you through. It's going to be okay. And the peace, and honestly, when I opened my eyes and realized that of all the scenarios he laid out, it was just about as close to the best as it could have been. I, I was pretty sure I was losing something. But at that point, it didn't matter because I had that assurance from God, I got you. God wants you to live in that place of no fear. Perfect love casts out fear, and God loves you with a perfect love. So the first application I see of 1 John 4.18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. God doesn't want me to live in fear because God loves me with a perfect love. God doesn't want me to live in torment. You're in 2 Timothy 1.7. Read that with me, 2 Timothy 1.7. Read it, ready? For God hath not given us the spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Hey, if you're living in fear today, that's not from God. And God doesn't want you living that way. Fear about what? Fear about anything. He doesn't want you to live in fear of death. He doesn't want you to live in fear of, uh, what's going to happen if, uh, I tell you what I fear. Uh, this is just, this is pastor's opinion, okay? When I hear uh Mrs. Clinton talking. I go, I can't listen to that for four years. <laughs> what well, politics aside, I just I can't listen to that for four years. There's no politics in that. That's just totally personal opinion. But kidding aside, if you if if you're not concerned about your country's future i don't think you're paying attention because regardless of what happens in the election there are some bad bad things that are threatening our future you can be concerned though without living in fear and if you're living in fear about anything that didn't come from god because god has not given us a spirit of fear if god wants me to live a lifestyle not of fear but free of fear, man, I want that. I want to find out how to, how to live that in that place. God doesn't want me to live in fear. God does not want me to live in torment. God sacrificed himself to deliver my heart from fear and torment. God doesn't want me or you to be tormented with fear. Turn over now to Hebrews chapter 2, and I want you to see this. Hebrews chapter 2. And we're going to look at verses 14 and 15. 
God doesn't want me to live in fear. He doesn't want me to live in torment. It said, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love, all right? Hebrews chapter 2 and verses 14 and 15, talking about Jesus, it says, he also himself likewise took part of the same, meaning death, that through death he, Jesus, might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them, that's us, who through fear of death all their lifetime were subject to bondage. Jesus died, and he died for a a multitude of reasons, but this states that one of the reasons he died was to deliver us from being subject, all of our lives being in bondage, to fear of death. So, 1 John 4.18 says that fear is a tormentor. Fear torments us. By the way, fear has a lot of different manifestations. It's not just being scared of something. You know, I'm afraid of the dark. I'm afraid of heights. I'm afraid. Somebody told me yesterday about a lady who was driving and she was in a horrible car accident. Now she's just understandably scared to death of, of driving. Fear manifests itself in, in a lot of ways. Some people fear personal conversation. You're afraid to talk to strangers. Some people would, are happy to talk to strangers, but they'd be scared to death to speak in front of a crowd. I was very uh, 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 introverted as a, as a teenager, but for some reason my whole life I've been comfortable speaking in front of a crowd. My grandmother, my mother's mother, was exactly the opposite, and she told me so. She, she heard me preach one time, and, and I was still, you know, 16 years old or whatever. And uh, she, now my grandmother could walk into this room and light up the room on a person-to-person basis. She said, you know, she said, I can't understand you, and you can't understand me. I said, what are you talking about? She said, she said I could walk into a room of, of 100 people and in personal contact take over the room, but I'd be scared to death to stand in front and talk to everybody. She said, I've watched you. You couldn't stand to talk to, to uh, individually to a, a room full of people one-on-one, she said, but put you up front and you're right at home. And uh, that's crazy, but we're all different. We all have different strengths and, and weaknesses and, and fears. Fear manifests itself in different ways. And words that we use like insecurity and instability and, and uh, you know, issues, all these things, All of these things can be put under the caption of fear. Those things torment us. If you're wrestling with some form of fear, then in some area of your life, you are tormented. Could could you identify for yourself something in, in your life that you really don't care for. Now, don't be all macho. I ain't afraid of nothing. This funny thing, you know, a few years ago, those stickers on the windows that said, no fear. And you know why guys put that on their cars? Because they were afraid that you wouldn't know that they had no fear. I'm serious. I was an insecurity. I got to let you know I'm not afraid of nothing. If you're not afraid of nothing, you don't have to tell us. Just live it, you know. We all have things that intimidate us. We all have things that we're insecure about. If you can identify that thing and say, yeah, you know what? 
it it's like when you go to the doctor and and you know he feels your arm and he's you know your abs and everything and and uh, and he's looking for that spot where he touches it and you go oh! and there's some area of your life where you just every time it gets touched you go oh! why because fear has brought torment to that area of your of your life god does not want you to live with that torment and the love of god can cast that out of you so what's the remedy for the fears in my life it's for your heart to be overwhelmed and to overflow with the love of God if you will soak in the love of God every day it will cast out those things that you fear it will cast out those issues that torment you so there is the first great application I see in 1 John 4, 18. Let me stop before we move on because we're about to t- turn a big corner here. But let me stop and say, if you don't have that peace that I just described, would you let God show you his love today? Would you decide to live in God's love? One of the most important things you can do every day is to focus on living in God's love. The first phrase or one of the first statements that comes out of this mouth every morning is, Father, thank you for loving me. And shortly thereafter, I say, Lord, I love you too. Now, I don't always feel, I don't wake up feeling, oh, God loves me. I wake up almost every day paranoid. I don't know why that is. Just afraid today's the day they're coming to get me. Who? I don't know. The communists? I don't know. They're coming to get me today, you know? And, uh, so I, so it's not about, because, it's not, I thank the Lord for loving me because I feel so loved, but I know he loves me. I know as a fact that he loves me. So I acknowledge it and thank him for it. Lord, thank you for loving me. And I love you too. And then that sort of sets off this day of whatever else goes on in the day, attributing all the good things that I see to the fact that God loves me because James says every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from above. So God gets the credit for everything good. When I open the Bible in the morning and I look, I'm looking for God's love, his, his expression of his love to me, and you'd be amazed at how much your Bible is full of God's expression of love to you if you're looking for it, if you're acknowledging it. Are you living in God's love? Christian, are you living in, in God's love? Or are you here and you don't know Christ? Would you let God in? Would you let Christ rule and reign in your heart? Would you trust him as your Savior and let him be the Lord of your life and know that peace that God has for you? So there I see the first great application that God loves me with a perfect love. He doesn't want me to live in fear, and so he sacrificed himself to deliver my heart from fear and torment. But let's turn a corner here. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. Not only does God love me with perfect love, but once I understand the perfect love that God loves me with, that I need to love others with perfect love. And let me be, be very specific. Loving others begins at home. The Bible says love one another. Well, there's a way that we can look at that and see that that means to love everybody in the world. Okay, yes. 
But Jesus was actually speaking more specifically in John 15 that he said that by this shall all men know that ye are my disciples if ye have love one for another. He was talking about love among God's people. But I think we even need to go narrower than that. And that is loving the people in your house. Do you have a burden for souls? Your first responsibility is the people in your house. Oh, I want to reach the world. That's great. But your first responsibility is the people in your house. It, when I graduated, I graduated from college, and we went out and started a church in 1994. And uh, it's funny, I've told this story dozens of times. I'm not sure I ever told it here. Maybe I have. But uh, so I, I went out. Well, when you graduate, we, we have now this conference called the Homecoming Conference every October. But for several decades there was a meeting called Pastor School that took place every, every March, and it was uh, hosted by the church that ran the college that I uh, graduated from, Howells Anderson College. And so if you graduated from Howells Anderson College, you became a pastor. It was just, you know, it was a thing to do to go to Pastor School every March. And if you started a church, one of the things you were going to be asked by the other people, it was just the other people that you knew and went to school with is they were going to ask you how the church how your church was doing and some guys were going to get even more specific and ask you how many are you running they wanted a number and so we started church in 94 and this happened probably 1998 or 99 so the church was four or five years old and uh, we weren't doing all that spectacularly and so I went to pastor school that year, and I was sort of dreading that question. I was sort of dreading running into somebody that would say, how many are running? And so I'm walking around uh, in between the sessions, and I see a fellow that I went to school with, and he's sitting away from the pulpit. He's sitting over here on this side. And he's a guy that I didn't know well, but I respected him from a distance, real tough guy. I don't think he'd ever been in the military, but he was a military acting kind of guy. He was a kind, you ever know people that they, when you talk to them, they don't really, they don't look at you. They're not looking down. They're not looking away. They're just sort of looking off in the distance, like sort of like, like they're almost like they, they're Douglas MacArthur or something. And oddly enough, this guy's name was Doug. And so I walked up to him from over here and I said, hey, hey, brother Doug. He said, hey, brother Joe. I'm over here. He's looking this way. Hey, Brother Joe. Well, he started a church, I think, the same year we started ours. I said, how you doing? He said, I'm all right. He said, uh, how's the church going? I knew it was coming. How's the church going? Now, I don't know. I felt like with other people, I didn't know Doug all that well. I felt like with other people, I needed to put on the best face I could. But I just felt like with Doug, for some reason, even though we weren't tight, I felt like I could level with him a little more. And I said, well, i got to be honest with you. Not as well as I'd hoped. He didn't. He kept looking out over there somewhere. He said, me too. I said, oh, wow, okay, that's, that's comforting. And then he said this. He said, Brother Joe, he said, I've just about come to the conclusion that if I reach my family for Christ, everything else is just a bonus. And I'll be honest, at the time, I thought, I know what you're saying, man, but that sounds a little bit extreme to me. 
And that was 20 years ago, and I'm standing here testifying to you this morning. That's 100% my philosophy now. Reach your family for Christ, and anyone else that God might use you to touch is a bonus. Love one another, folks, starts at home. So after I see perfect love casts out fear, and I see that that means God loves me with perfect love and he wants there to be no fear in my heart, then I, and I understand God loves me. God loves me. Okay, now I want to love the people in my life with perfect love. How do I do that? And we're going to start at home. So my question is, how can I love my wife and my family with perfect love? And let me answer that question. Perfect love goes on the attack against fear in the hearts of the people it loves. Perfect love is always on the alert. It's always on the prowl. In other words, I'm always looking at my wife and my kids, looking for any signs of insecurity, whether it involves me or not, any signs of insecurity, any signs of disappointment, any signs of hurt feelings, any signs of feeling rejected, Maybe by me, but not necessarily by me. Any signs of feeling left out? Any signs of feeling disrespected? Any signs of distrust? Any signs of misunderstandings? Because all of those are manifestations of fear. Can I say... When, you're, when your kids move into the teenage years and you say, man, it just seemed like something happened. He comes home and he doesn't talk to me anymore. She comes home and she doesn't talk to me anymore. I want to say praise, praise God for some reason, by God's grace, our kids never went through that phase. None of them did where they just stopped communicating with us. Praise the Lord for that. But they do change the way they communicate. If you're not careful, When they go into their shell at any given time, and this is true of your spouse. Your spouse goes into, sir, your wife goes into her shell, or, or, or uh, ma'am, your husband goes, where, where they just, they shut down. That's a manifestation of some sort of fear. Now, it could be a million things. And if you're not careful, you'll respond with, you know what, fine, be like that. You're not helping them. Perfect love casts out fear. Perfect love identifies that there is a problem, and you may not know what the problem is yet, but here's what you can be sure of. Whatever is bothering them, in some way, shape, or form, it is a manifestation of fear. Yeah, well, no, not, not my kid. My kid, it's all about macho and bravado. Macho and bravado is fear. They're covering up something. Now, you don't have to point your finger in their face and say, I know what's going on. You're acting all tough, but you're really scared. No, no, no. You just identify it in your own mind, your own heart. Okay, 
something, well, here's the way we say it, and it's right. Something's bothering him. Something's bothering her. You're right. But if you really want to get technical, there's some fear about something. So I'm going to watch, and I'm going to ask the Lord to show me what is that thing. And I'm going to love them through it. And, and I'm not necessarily going to directly address it. Perfect love casts out fear means that you are overpowering their fear with love. So, you're loving them so much, so strongly, so powerfully, that by God's grace and with God's help, you're helping them to feel secure enough that maybe they tell you what's bothering them. Maybe they ask for your advice. Or maybe with your love, they just get strong enough to get through it. But your love and prayer gives them the strength to know, man, this is driving me nuts, but it's going to be okay. See, I think it can be as simple as this, that your son or daughter, your wife, your husband can think, This bothers me, but I know it's going to be okay because my wife loves me. I know it's going to be okay because my husband loves me. I know it's going to be okay because mom loves me, because dad loves me. Wives, let me say, there's something in every man that wants to make everything right for everybody, and especially for their family. And when something goes wrong, he thinks he's a total failure. And so he goes into this, this, we, we, um, uh, I'm not going to recommend a movie publicly and it's not a perfect movie, but we, we saw this a few weeks ago and it was, it was a pretty wholesome deal. Uh, we, we rented it and, um, or Netflixed it or something. And, um, if you ask me what it is, I'll tell you, I'm just not going to recommend it from the pulpit, but. It's a story, you may recognize this, a story of a, a uh, football coach who's got a hot temper. And I'm going to hear whispers. Hot temper. And uh, so he gets fired. He keeps getting fired. And finally he takes a job in this town. It's, it's a true story, by the way. He takes a job in one of the worst towns in America, uh, in, in um, um, poorest towns in America and he goes there and he gets like right away fired from being assistant football coach there but anyway the whole the end of the story doesn't matter here's what is depicted there he sits there after he gets there and he realizes that he has moved his family to this armpit of the world he's sitting on the edge of his bed looking at out the window and the what he's going through there, every, every husband and every father understands this feeling of my family's whole world is my responsibility and I have let them down. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but I wonder how many husbands and fathers can, can attest to that. And, and ladies, I'm telling you, it can be the smallest thing. 
the car breaks down, and all of a sudden he feels like he has let his whole family down because he bought this piece of junk. And I'm telling you, ladies, as an application of what we're talking about here, perfect love cast without fear, a lecture won't help him. A long speech about, it's okay. No, it's a, the car's a piece of junk, so I don't care what you say. It's not okay. What's going to help them is you're there with them, and you love them. You don't say a word. I'm, I'm, saying, I'm not saying don't say a word. I'm saying if he knows you're there with him and you love him, he's going to have the strength to get through it. Husbands, you can't figure. Don't try to figure your wife out. You can't do it. It's impossible. You can't figure her out. Ladies, I just told you some things to figure out about your husband, but I've never been a lady. I've never been a wife, so I'm, I'm just as clueless as you, men. Uh, but I'm telling you this. She doesn't need a lecture. A lot of times she just needs a listener. Just listen to what she has to say and be there for her. Love her through it. Moms and dads, let me say this, and I saw that th- th- I'm bringing this up because I just saw it firsthand this week. I was I was on a street knocking doors, and a, a mother comes walking down the street with, I'm guessing the kid was maybe three years old, and the kid's walking next to her and crying. And I'm the mother at the top of her lungs. Don't start with the blank and crying. And I, I had to turn my head because I was going to start cursing at the mom. I wasn't going to, but I wanted to. Number one, that's, and I don't mean, she didn't stop there. She's, she's screaming at her. She's screaming at the girl. And I'm thinking, number one, that's not going to stop her from crying. And number two, you are building a young lady that when she gets to be 13 or 14, she will turn on you, and you're the cause of it because of what you're doing right now. Parents, don't scream at your kids. Now, there's a time to raise your voice like, stay away from the road. Yeah, that's, and you don't do it when they're a foot from the road. You do it when they're 100 feet from the road, walking in the direction of the road. There's a time to raise your, stop. There's a time for that. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when everything is screaming at the top of your lungs. Let me give you something. I'm not a model parent, but I think every experienced parent in this room will agree with what I'm about. I hope you will, but even if you don't, I'm right. (laughs) When our kids were babies and they cried, I didn't know what was bothering them. But I knew, and there was this philosophy that said, just put them over there, let them cry it out. I said, absolutely not. I don't care how many books you've written, absolutely not. Because whatever is making them cry, they feel insecure. And so I'm going to pick her up, I'm going to pick him up, and I'm going to make sure they feel secure. And I, I know what the answer to that is. Well, if you do that, then they're going to cry. Just you, you pick them up. It's okay by me. I didn't mind picking up my kids. But I wanted to raise kids that felt secure. Perfect love casts out fear. Now, truth is, I've given a few examples. I'm about done, but but 
I really wasn't trying to give practical examples. What I really wanted to do this morning was to give you a Bible philosophy. If you learn this truth, number one, God loves me with perfect love, and he wants to cast the fear out of my life, and I'm to turn around and love the people I love with perfect love. So I want to cast the fear out of their lives. If you'll learn that and seek the Lord about it, he'll show you how to apply it. He'll show you where you need to put it to work. And let me, let me throw this out and we're all finished. But if I don't understand God's perfect love and so I still fear, that's not his fault, that's mine. Because he does love with perfect love. But if the people in my life still fear That's not their fault, it's my fault, or at least it's my responsibility, it's my burden to persuade them because, yes, God loves with perfect love, and I'm the one that hasn't figured it out, but I haven't learned to love with perfect love yet, and if they haven't figured it out yet, that's my burden, to help them to understand you just, I've got to look for ways to prove to them, I love you with perfect love. You're not going to do anything that's going to cause me to cast you out. I, let, me, let me pay homage to this. I do not understand this thing of we disowned our child. I've never understood that. Now, th- th- one thing I do understand, when you have a, a young adult child who is doing things that are just unspeakable and he's corrupting the younger children in the house, and you say, we got to do something. I understand that. I get that. we got to do something. But that's not disowning. I've never understood disowning. Are you kidding me? Does God disown you? Would God ever disown you? Make them feel secure. Love them with perfect love. Father, I pray that you'd help us to understand there is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear. Lord, I am a long way from being an expert on this topic, but as I've taken the first few steps in it, I pray that you'd help everyone here to commit to take more steps. Number one, in soaking in your love, soaking in the fact that you love us with perfect love. If we live in your love, we will know we have nothing to fear. You've got us covered. And then turn around and love one another with that love, first and foremost, at home. Lord, I pray that every husband in this room would strive to to love his wife with perfect love that casts the fear out of her heart. I pray that every wife in this room would, would, would determine and strive to live with a perfect love that casts the fears, the doubts, the insecurities out of her husband's heart. I pray that every parent would determine to love every one of their children with such an overpowering love that they cast the fear, the insecurity, the doubts out of their children's heart. Is there time that they have to be chastened? Absolutely. Is there times that we have to deal directly with issues? Absolutely. You chasten us, but it's not out of anger or hatred or wrath. It's loving correction. But I pray that it would always, as we love the people in our life, address everything with an overpowering love, a love so strong that it pushes out the fear so that the people that we love will not be tormented just like you didn't want us 
to be tormented with fear. Heads bowed, eyes closed this morning. First of all,